Sports, where we bring the business side of esports to you. I'm your host, Jordan Olivas, and today I have with me the founder of 2G Nation, Sebastian. Sebastian, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you for inviting me to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a bit more about uh, what you're doing there at 2G Nation. Oh, 2G Nation, um, um, coming a long way. For, for me personally, it's a, it's a journey that's almost two decades long now. So I I started around, around 1999 uh, with my first sort of commercial event. That was also the time when, for example, ESL was founded. The only difference is if you look at the ESL founder, they were at that time like, you know, in their late teens or mm-hmm. even 20s. And I was just still a grasshopper, like uh, 13, 14, <laughs> etc. Super nerdy and, uh, you know, building up PCs, playing games and the competitive element was just a, just a thing. We didn't, we didn't call it esports. We just wanted to meet, download the latest games and patches and cracks and all that stuff. You know, you have to imagine was the time of CDs. Yeah. The new thing. <laughs> yep. uh, LAN cables and everything. So that's, that, that's where I'm coming from. And, um, well, I've been pushed through through my family and through traditional education. I, I studied politics, I studied medicine, but always on the side, um, I had uh, this this passion about gaming. And I had multiple companies on the way. I had multiple projects on the way. In the very early days, I even worked for 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 Valve, for Blizzard. You know, little things like doing HR pieces for BlizzCon because Blizzard had no idea who were, for example, their respective influencers. We didn't even call it influencers back then. You know, it was just <laughs> guys that had an impact. Putting teams together, played com- professionally as as well. World of Warcraft, hello, CS:GO, hello, etc. Et so these were my early games, and uh, did that for years. And then, yeah, then Tucci Nation was sort of the result of me going full time a few years ago. That was, I think, 2013, 14, something like that. That's when I sold my sort of side project, which I. Pretty much worked in the night after med school, so I went to university, then I went home, I went to the microphone, I was, for example, commentating on Dota 2 at a company which was called Hefla TV back then, which trained casters and covered sort of the tier 2, tier 3 scene, because it was absolutely under cater 2, everybody was just going for the big stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And even the big stuff didn't make enough money, and uh, so it needed hobby guys like me that went for the stuff that made absolutely no money whatsoever, but even then... I, I tried to squeeze out every cent out of uh, CPM-based things such as YouTube and Twitch. I had good partnership contracts back then, and uh, and I got the early some sponsors in, you know, mostly like some get 50 cents per click sort of kind of sponsorship deals on the broadcast channels. And these were the early beginnings. Then I went full-time into esports simply because I was bombarded with offers. Because HR and esports, as you might know, is one of the, yep. the key issues uh, back then and even now. You find hardly people that invested so many years into it and have a, a good track record and an unsullied uh, track record. Yep. And uh, well, I got tons of offers and the money just flew in. And then it came to a point when when I realized, well, <laughs> I can work <laughs> on what I love and I'm going to make more money than when I finish med school and become a doctor. And I can do this tomorrow, and I don't have to, you know, finish med school. I had actually literally six months left on wow. med school. Yeah, so that was my decision. <laughs> so that was the full-time uh, switch flip, pretty much. And then I worked two years in sort of a corporate environment where I was head of esports, head of business development. We organized, for example, DreamHack franchise. Uh, we did it in Moscow. We did over three million in in prize pools. We had a tournament platform. We had a TV channel, which was the the second. Uh, gaming and esports TV channel 24/7. It was in Russian, and but it was the second in the world. You know, the Koreans did it in in 1999 already with OGN and, mm-hmm. and, and a second outlet. 
uh, OGN survived, so that's still uh, up and running. <laughs> and, and the Americans and the Europeans tried, but they mostly, you know, had sort of patches in their program, right? They had like sort of a test phase where they had our esports here on Eurosports and other uh, things. So it took many years till esports really came into to be. And I wanted to tackle this, you know, I wanted to create the content and, and everything in and around that. And that was really cool. And that also got me to work with a lot of big guys. So I did a lot of business in China with all the tournament organizers. I was one of the first guys who who did licensing around tournaments. You know what what's normal these days when you yep. uh, listen to all those big deals, all ESL and Facebook and League of Legends and YouTube and Face It and YouTube. You know those big license deals. I did that back then because uh, China was craving for content. They already had TV channels and they don't have just one streaming platform. They have multiple ones. At times they had like six major streaming platforms. And they were all arguing and fighting over content. And we did sort of west to east and also east to west. So we got the content over in the west. And just so you realize how early that was, one of the licenses where I was proud of were sold for like $5,000. Wow. <laughs> which, is, uh, which is a total joke. Yeah. And it grew every year by a multiple hundreds percent, like 300% per year. You know, then a following year you sold to China to like 35,000, 50,000, 150,000, you know, for bigger formats, mm -hmm. et cetera. So this grew and now it's 2019. Hell, I don't even know what licenses are going for. If they're disclosed, we're mostly talking about multi-year contracts yep. and uh, millions of dollars. So that was really amazing. And I also worked, of course, with big names like, for example, Ali Sports, which is the Alibaba group. Uh, I don't know, WESG, for example. Yep. Um, that is sort of my, my architecture, which, uh, which is behind. And I also worked a lot with sports clubs. La Liga, Russian Premier League, multiple uh, football clubs, but also uh, others that sneak peek into uh, into esports. I did a lot of education around esports as well, including developing bachelor programs and research, because that's actually the only thing that was became handy uh, from my past. You know, studying medicine, so I was quite familiar you know, with everything around biometrics, everything hand-eye coordination, eye scanners on TV. You know, those those kind of things that you need around. Uh, getting really deep data on how gamers behave, which will trickle down into behavioral studies, into nutrition, into performance, and all those things which are also now coming these days. Yep, correct. Um, so back then, that was also grassroots. It was just like, yeah, let's let's get that started because we know in like two, three years, five years, maybe this this becomes very important. So anyway, uh, uh, long story short, that's uh, that and many more things. This is what I have done. That's how I got into to esports and um, then there was only one problem i was really sick and tired having a boss above me you know arguing yeah. over a budget or arguing over getting green light on a project which i considered a no-brainer and good for the company but then you had a coo or a ceo or anyone else in in the hierarchy which disagreed or which just was lazy or had no idea about esports you know yeah exactly um, a lot of companies went into esports but they only did it with a small mandate so you had at best a sort of an autonomous department, but you still had to argue with idiots above you. Which <laughs> no it's um, it's true though. It, I mean, that that's still prevalent today when you look at a lot of the even larger esports teams, unless you look at someone maybe like Immortals or someone who's truly independent, a lot of these mid-sized players who are partnered with larger organizations or even larger sports teams, they're kind of going through this hurdle of, hey, we're giving you money. It may not be all that much, but they don't understand it. And I think it's causing some slow growth and what i've seen in a lot of my other podcasts that i've done and a lot of other people i've talked to 
is that there's a real lack of formality right now in the industry, and it's causing, in my opinion, a lack of growth. So if you go out there in any other industry, doesn't really matter what it is, film, professional sports, technology, you have a certain level of professionalism in terms of sales, in terms of software development, in terms of HR. That doesn't really exist in esports today, and I'm not sure why not, because I know a lot of people that work in the professional corporate realm are interested yeah. in esports. So, and I've I've always believed it's it's a pure an economic issue that is preventing those people from moving over, or it could be also be an issue of people just don't think this is a real industry yet. I think it is. All the signs are pointing towards it. All the investment are pointing towards it. What's your take on that? I absolutely agree. I I thought about this a lot, and now that I'm in, in now that I'm a founder, I'm I'm my own boss, and I hire a lot of people. So. What I've been thinking about here makes also quite an impact on how I, for example, hire. So my theory um, that might be true or not, we will see in a few years, but we have sort of um, three generations of, of esports. So we have those that came early. Uh, I would I would count myself in there, even though I, you know, um, I went relatively late full time. But those those guys who came super early now. They had to, at some point in their career, had a sort of a bifurcation. You know, do I keep doing what I'm doing? Everything around me is professionalizing, sort of being corporatized. I don't know even if that's a word. But, you know, it gets a, lot <laughs> a lot of them didn't make it. You know, they yeah. were just too dumb, too unprofessional, too casual, too slacky to, uh, for example, make presentations, data, reports, um, build sort of sales funnels and, and keep also a diplomatic view on, on things. So we lost a few people on the way. But a lot of them also, which are nowadays team owners, big company owners, etc. These were grassroots guys that, despite not studying economy or anything else in that direction, uh, professionalized themselves. And these days they are full-fledged businessmen and you could put them into any industry. They would do a good job, right? Not necessarily esports, but obviously that's the passion. And that's that's the perfect kind of employee. Now, the problem these days is you're not going to get people of this first generation. If you want someone like this, you have to open your wallet really deep. Uh, yeah. Probably it has to rain equity as well. But most likely people will also say no anyway because people like me and others, we're on our own projects. We know we know how to do it. So hiring us is is almost impossible, right? It is. Then comes the second generation, which is the, all the people that came later. And, uh, well, the, the veterans, they have sort of the tendency to look down on them. They had to have a, a much steeper learning curve. And here we have the problem that on the one hand, yes, they want to be there and they want to get into esports. I mean, one of the most asked questions on Reddit is like, how do I make an esports career? <laughs> Every big veteran out there has made a podcast, a video, a vlog, a blog, or anything like that to already describe the issue. And what it all boils down, if you delete the noise of that, is experience. Now comes the problem. Um, where do you get that experience, right? Especially yep. because the first some batches of experience you get without pay mostly. So that's one of the biggest hurdles. How to get in, how to be hired without experience, how to get the experience without getting money, etc., etc. So that's the second generation, and that's the biggest issue. And all these universities that have started with scholarships and bachelors, etc., were mostly non-esports people are teaching esports people. Yes. In my opinion, these are non-hireable people because. Why would I hire someone who has an esports degree, whatever that even means, <laughs> taught by an economy professor? It means nothing. It, it, exactly. Um, you, you, you've hit a really interesting point on that. And when you look back at what I – and I would consider myself kind of caught in that in between the first and second generation because I, I actually remember when I, when I was younger, I would throw smash tournaments. right? I would play competitively with 
several other ones, but I never really stuck with it as far as I could go. And I basically developed my professional career while keeping a, a pulse on esports. And really in the past year or so, I've really jumped back into it. And I, funny enough that you mentioned Reddit, I was reading something the other day on Reddit saying, hey, I want to get into it. Is 19 too old to get into esports? And what I responded with was that, you know, if you want to become a professional player, a pro player in anything else, you're going to be a little bit of a disadvantage, but there's a lot of other things you can do outside of that. It's not just that. You can become a very successful streamer and not be a pro player. You can easily make sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars if you do it correctly. And not only that, but there's a whole other side of it of business. And that's the, the whole purpose of this podcast is to say, look, not everyone can be a pro player. Some people are past their prime, but there's a lot of very lucrative ways that you can get involved in this industry. That's a major misconception. I fully agree. Like this, this is like, I mean, it's uh, honestly, uh, sorry for the blunt words, but I believe such such thinking is quite retarded because it's <laughs> even if you the parallels, you know, to the entertainment yeah. industry. How many Hollywood stars do you have in Hollywood, and how many employees around Hollywood, the entire entertainment sector, exactly. do you have? Exactly. Like what one, like one to one hundred, one to one thousand ratio, or something like that. So believing your only entry into esports is by being a pro player, Jesus Christ! Like how do you even get that misconception? <laughs> but I guess that's that's an education curve we have to go. One golden rule, and and this is what I, I mean. I get this asked probably like two or two or three times a week through social media or through LinkedIn. People come to me and how do I get in? And I say like, experience, experience, experience. If you want to be hired by my company. I don't care about your gender, where you're from, even your religion, unless you, you you really put that on the on the desk at work or something like that. All these parameters are totally irrelevant for me. I don't I don't give a damn. Even remote and, and, and stuff, I can get over it as long as I read on your CV that you have experience. And I don't really care if that is from volunteering. It even volunteering even shows me that you're very compatible with, for example, startup spirit, because you have been doing things at school at night after studies while you had another job, etc. You know, I know you're gonna get go the extra mile. And you got the experience while others were like, nah, I'm gonna comfortably go to school, then I go comfortably to my university, then I have a degree, <laughs> then I'm gonna hand over this paper to my CEO and then I expect to be hired. That's a nonsense attitude and such people I would never hire under any circumstances. But people that show attitude and go the extra mile, um, there's a good chance I'll hire you or I, I somehow make it happen that I'll find you another job. And that's exactly the same way that I go with, in terms of really my business. I've got about almost 20 employees now, really all over the in the U.S. as well as offshore. It, it was funny enough, I have a client of mine who is starting a new esports platform that we're going to be building for him. He said, hey, how am I doing? Am I doing everything right? It's my first major Piece and I said Gary V uh, has this great saying: "Ideas are shit, execution is key." And I absolutely <laughs> love that quote. I said you just got to get there. When I started my company, I literally had zero idea of what I was doing. I said I've been in the technology and consulting world for a long time, so I know the general process. But I just said let's just start. And I think that's what people need to start doing: stop over planning. Right? Just get in there yeah. and just start doing it. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of projects that I also see where um, where, where young entrepreneurs are born in, in the first some semesters of their studies just because they say like, well, I got some time. You know, it's not the full capacity that this does require for me. I just built something on the side. If you're even semi-tech or full-tech entrepreneur, you can even code yourself. Jesus Christ, that's the best thing you have. Tech illiterate people like me, you know, I started in my teams. Yeah, I was like really technical. I wanted to go always into details. And then over the years, it kind of vanished. You know, it's like I, I, I forgot to... to 
ride a ride a bike sort of thing, right? <laughs> um, I'm really at a disadvantage because I I can only have the ideas and a business model and and everything around it, even the let's let's call it architecture and design. But I always need to find the funds and then the people to to put this into production and into reality. So I have to go even two extra miles in order to get my thoughts from my brain into reality. So I always say if you're young and you can learn or grassroots even into sort of, let's say, it MVP stages, absolutely check all the boxes, right? Because you're very investable. That's sort of the golden rule that also I can give to startup entrepreneurs. If you're semi-technical, then try to do as much as possible or get a technical founder in, program that MVP, because you're going to... You're going to lose all your teeth in that boxing yep. match with investors if you ask for money for just an idea. You have to be someone like me who can put, who can leverage like 20 years of experience so they trust me to give the money to me because they know my idea will become reality because I'm good at execution. But I know if you don't have the track record, nobody's going to give you that money just for an idea. That's, Absolutely. That's yeah, we're, we're long past that phase of ideas turning into money. It's much more evolved than that now. It's just different day and age. Well, Sebastian, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This is a great conversation. It's obviously very apparent that you are a key player in this space. And I hope that everyone listening today takes his words of advice very seriously and hopefully learned a little bit more about esports. Sebastian, anything else you want to say before we get off the air? Well, as I said, like about me, the just the, the years to come, I, I always want to stay true to myself, how it was 20 years ago, how it's now. So my channels are always open, may that be social media or LinkedIn on the more professional sides. And also when it comes to my companies, we what we do is, is pretty much focusing on the things that don't exist. So my ventures always started with thinking about like, okay, it's been 20 years, what are the others doing? And mostly I do exactly the opposite. <laughs> so if you go through all we do, our agency, our IT company, our platform that we have launched last year, you will see elements and technologies that were literally missing for a decade. And we're trying to entirely turn the industry upside down where a hundred other platforms or ventures or anything like that have done, you know, sort of the standard thing. And we try to sort of innovate and revolutionize. It's very ambitious. And very complex but that's sort of me and uh, that's sort of my i don't know my memo love it love it well everyone please be sure to visit the website twognation.com that's 2gnation.com sebastian thank you for coming on the show be sure to subscribe to us from wherever you get your podcasts from and check us out at businessandesports.com this is jordan signing off